listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello, all, and welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club. I'm here on schedule five days after my last upload and as we all know five divided by two equals 9-11 psych five divided by two equals the number 23 nine plus one plus one equals 11 minus 23 equals The number 23, have you guys seen the number 23 directed by Joel Schumacher? Holy shit, what a movie. You would think that it'd just be like a fun thriller. Like, you know, you could tell from the trailer and the fact that Joel Schumacher directed it, it probably won't be the greatest movie ever. But you expect a good time going into it, right? I mean, Jim Carrey, some guy obsessing over the number 23 and seeing it everywhere and some like da vinci code national treasure type vibe but no that movie is grueling it's like it's like long and slow and boring (laughs) yeah ramona add it to the watch list it's just not good speaking of good movies and the title of this upload two plus two equals five for those of you who don't know is a statement i guess you could call it made popular by George Orwell's famous dystopian novel, 1984. And for those of you who haven't seen the film, 1984, that was released in the year 1984, directed by Michael Radford, starring John Hurt, it is a beautiful, beautiful film. I actually just watched it for the first time sometime earlier this year, I forget. And it's just gorgeous. I mean, the landscapes that they chose for this film, gorgeous. I know some of you guys live in the UK where uh, it was shot. (laughs) I forget exactly where. I actually looked up the place where they shot this film because I was so taken with the landscape um, that I wanted to know where the fuck is this place? It's like, look like some like Teletubby land on acid thing, which is one of my favorite aesthetics. There's just so many great shots also the shots that take place in london i believe or whatever city they're in gorgeous gorgeous they filmed it in london i know and then they also filmed these rural landscapes and it's just it's just phenomenal phenomenal film go check it out 
Anyway, I'm sure most of us are familiar with this story, this novel, rather. I honestly can't even remember if I read it. I believe I had to read it in high school, but I don't remember. So that just goes to show you how much I enjoyed this novel if I read it. You know, we had to read, like, I feel like if we read that shit, we read it alongside, like, Fahrenheit (laughs) 9-11. What's it called? (laughs) Fahrenheit 9-11. The Osama Bin Laden story. Like, we had to read it alongside that kind of a thing. And they all just got jumbled together. Like, I forget which is which. Book burning, dystopian, something, censorship, authoritarianism, fascism, animal farm, 9-11. There's just a lot going on. So, I can't remember. But I have seen the film. And I do know what it's about. (laughs) And I know that 2 plus 2 equals 5 is a thing that comes from 1984. Um, I actually can't remember them mentioning that in the film, though, which is interesting. Hmm. Anyway, won't go there. Um, so let's talk about it. I'm a little late on this topic. I'm not entirely topical, not on time, but who cares? Because what is time anyway, if not like a construct of the human imagination? Psych. But, um, about two weeks ago or something... There was all of this hubbub about this statement, 2 plus 2 equals 5. And as I've been largely abstaining from social media, not necessarily because of some conscious effort, more so that, you know, it's um, repulsive to me. I don't find much delight in engaging with it right now. I'm sure I'll be back one day. But um, apparently there was a lot of discussion going on on, like, math Twitter And I guess also, like, political theory Twitter. Because I would be lying to you if I said I knew exactly what prompted this discussion. But it had something to do with something. And then a lot of mathematicians got involved. And there was this big discussion about 2 plus 2 equals 5. Because I'm sure some of you um, who use social media have run into people probably from all various parts, polls of the political spectrum bringing up this statement as an illustration of when they think somebody is just outright being a liar farcical that's a word right i wanted to say farcical but i got nervous i think farcical is a word (laughs) people across the political polls what is that face jimbo excuse me Bring up this statement when they're basically accusing the other person of telling an outright lie or saying something that is just so absolutely absurd, like, how could you even say this, you know? And um, I've seen people, like I just said, from opposite polls. I hate referring to the political spectrum as this linear spectrum because I'm a quantum bitch. I'm up here on the Z-axis, okay, while the rest of you peasants are doing stuff along the x-axis okay whatever the opposite poles of the political spectrum i've seen people like comment this a lot under like donald trump's tweets like like you're basic he basically accusing him of outright being a liar and his uh fan base the maga crowd just accepts a lot of what he says at face value even if it's so obviously contradictory self-contradictory so obviously unscientific so blatantly false people will accept it because of the person who makes the statement similarly i've seen people on the more conservative sides of things accuse liberals and the postmodern neo-marxists 
of uh, this kind of a thing too and they like to bring up 2 plus 2 equals 5 and blah 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 so anyway this prompted some sort of like discussion on mathematics twitter that I thought was kind of interesting and I took a little delight in it even though I found much of what was said disturbing like I often do I think it's actually kind of cool in the sense that at least it's interesting that hey we've come to this point in time where people are debating the merits of this mathematical statement two plus two equals five in public discourse i mean when have we been in a moment in history like this where you know we're all familiar with this phrase well most of us anyway uh from this culturally iconic novel 1984 but to actually discuss the merits of the phrase itself, that's really interesting. So for those of you who aren't aware, I'll kind of, um, I guess I'll try my best to summarize the opposing viewpoints that were uh, being shared amidst this uh, social media debacle. <laughs> I hope that this is a useful upload. When I typed 2 plus 2 equals 5 into YouTube to see who else had some sort of commentary on what happened on social media, it was just like a bunch of like conservative right-wing people like, can you believe the liberals are debating 2 plus 2 equals 5? Uh, which I thought was kind of uh, silly and boring. I wanted to see a greater diversity of content about this topic. So here I go. Here's my contribution. So basically, you know, there are two opposing viewpoints as it relates to this statement and the broader issue at hand, period, you know. There were people debating on mathematics Twitter and elsewhere, politics Twitter, that really 2 plus 2 could equal 5 if we wanted to, you know, in the sense that, for one, two is a construct, so is five, so is the entire system of all mathematics. If we wanted to either adjust the system or perhaps not even adjust the system and just make it so that two plus two equals five, then sure we could. And this is where mathematics Twitter came in and added some contributions you know, apparently in certain systems of mathematics that I will not pretend to have even an inkling of understanding of, apparently in cer certain systems of mathematics, the statement 2 plus 2 equals 5 can become true. And, you know, this was some of, this was what mathematics Twitter was doing, showing all the ways in which certain instances, sometimes 2 plus 2 could equal 5. And that's all well and great, you know, but such a topic is so interesting, I think, to the common man, us. Yes, we are common. We are peasants. Jimbo loves math. Great. Tell us about it. Can you tell us why 2 plus 2 can equal 5 sometimes? I'm not going to understand, but go for it. But such a conversation is interesting, period, I think, to the common man, you know, all of these nice little illustrations of how 2 plus 2 can equal 5 sometimes. Why is it interesting to us? It's interesting to us because we don't expect that 2 plus 2 can equal 5. Any layman understanding of math... Uh, will uh, will make this kind of a statement appear nonsensical. I do not possess a great knowledge of mathematics, so when I see 2 plus 2 equals 5, I'm like, well, what the fuck is going on? You know, and this is why this uh, conversation is uh, exists with such 
passion around it, period, right? Because we're debating the very mechanism of truth. Right? Clark Kent says, I disagree. No matter what you call it, when you add 222, you've added the same quantity to the starting quantity. Yeah, Clark Kent, but I'm, like I just said, I'm not a mathematician, but I am aware that there is all types of different systems of mathematics, and you should be too. I mean, even from a very basic understanding, there's calculus, there's algebra, there's whatever. And then when you go into those, there's like subgenres of fucking geometry. So there are certain self-contained systems, I believe, unless I'm mis misunderstanding all of mathematics Twitter, there are certain instances. I believe where you could from a mathematical approach come to this conclusion that 2 plus 2 equals 5 but neither myself nor you would be capable of such a thing right because we have no idea what these fucking mathematicians are talking about I think that's really the only point being made there but that is not really the meat of the discussion going on and not what I'm going to talk about because really what's being argued here this was you know this was the one perspective that I just gave the people on the opposing end of this statement are not mathematicians they're people like us, le the laymen, who don't really understand all of this complex math. We are not familiar with the sort of obscure systems of mathematics or equations in which, yes, maybe 2 plus 2 could equal 5. We're more concerned with the idea that underlies this debate, which is, you know, what is truth? Is truth a construct? Is knowledge a construct? If I decide that 2 plus 2 equals 5, is it so? And this is where, you know, I think your criticism, Clark Kent, that you just made becomes incredibly relevant, you know, that there is no way that if you add 2 to another 2, you will end up with five because even if we want to say even if we can acknowledge that yes truth is a construct knowledge is a construct even if we want to uh acknowledge that then where are we getting the number five you know is five arbitrary because from what i understand the number five also manifests from the same system of mathematics that the number two comes from right so if we're going to say now that 2 plus 2 does not equal 4, or if this is your argument that 2 plus 2 could not equal 4, if we don't wish it to, then it's like, well, then where are you getting the number 5? And what is the number 2? Like, can you define that, you know? What do numbers even reference, period? Because right now, we have a system that seems to work for most people, you know? I have two objects... I put two objects next to these other two objects, and now I see I have four objects. And every time I do these kinds of simple additions and subtractions, I never really encounter any problems. These kinds of equations are quite simple, you know. I feel like I have a comprehensive grasp of these basic concepts, the concepts of units, units being put together to form a more total unit, which is the sum. All of these things, you know, so if you want to say 2 plus 2 could equal 5 now because truth is a construct, I can accept that truth is a construct, but so is literally every concept that I am expressing with my language. 
Is language not also analogous to a system of mathematics in a certain way where we are all beholden to the same general principles and this is the thing that establishes communication period? This is something we talked about the other day, this idea that, you know, even if we're speaking the same language, if I decide to veer off the straight and narrow and start using words, maybe words you're familiar with in a way that I have just chosen to use myself or in a different way, don't we have to at least discuss that so we can be on the same page, you know? Because I'm somebody who's definitely... Uh, I, I am in the truth is a construct crowd, absolutely, but I also acknowledge that when we are speaking with language to other people, there is a certain sense of mutual respect afforded to others, you know. I respect that you understand the English language in a way I am also familiar with, so I am going to use it in the way you are familiar with in an effort to communicate with you as efficiently as possible, and oftentimes... Anyone who listens to this podcast knows oftentimes I will encounter a term or a word that I feel is inadequately defined, that I feel is being used improperly, and I will then make an argument for sometimes upwards of a fucking hour. I will make a whole fucking argument for why I think you should agree with me because I respect you. I want you to agree with me so I will fucking express to you why I think we should change this or that word you know um but regardless I think as this argument was unfolding and continues to unfold I personally find both perspectives to have many problems because that is how much of a contrarian I am I'm so contrarian I will not agree with anyone. I can't pick a side. No, I am my own side on the Z-axis. I am floating above everybody else. So contrarian, I'm by myself. Always. (laughs) So, it's kind of frustrating, especially as it relates to this argument, that the word postmodern has come to be so, so heavily abused and misused. You know, I hear people just ugh. you know especially if you if you look up this argument on twitter like people were just going on and on about the, this postmodern bullshit and a postmodern blah 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 and i feel like people just don't even understand what they're saying i personally abstain generally from the word postmodern and postmodernism because i try to only talk about it if we're speaking about philosophy period because what are people saying when they critique something like this argument being made that 2 plus 2 could equal 5 if we make it so you know what are they what are they saying uh fuck i just lost track cuz i was looking at the comments god damn it hold on let me take a sip of coffee lex sucks says hi lex but two can mean something entirely different than its original understanding so our new understanding of two could be 2.5 well I would say that's true, Lex, absolutely. And I think that that's part of what people are trying to illustrate with this kind of a thing, uh, certain people in this argument. But then what would 2.5 become, you know? 
would that mean then, for example, that we round down? Because that's something we're all familiar with. If I see 2.5 plus 2.5, then why would I round down to 2? And also, if 2 plus 2 equals 5, and now it means 2 point... If now 2 means 2.5, then does that mean... 1 plus 1 equals 3? Like, how are we going to apply this? Because mathematics, like we were just saying, has is a self-enclosed system, right? So it's not even that we couldn't easily make 2 now stand for 2.5. That's absolutely true. I think the problem is that as soon as you do that, you realize, wow, every variable of this system of mathematics really requires another one to be in its own perfect place for the entire system to work. As soon as you make such audits and changes, then quickly you see the whole system begin to fucking crumble, you know? Like, how would you feel if it was announced by the president of math tomorrow? Hey, everybody, 2 plus 2 now equals 5. Like, what kinds of questions would arise? Ones like the ones you just said, you know? Okay, so what? Does that mean 2 plus... Does that mean 2 now is 2.5? Like, I need to know how this affects everything else, you know? Like, what what is 5 plus 5 now? Like, are we getting rid of decibels? Are we rounding down? If 2 point... Like, if it... If, if what's 2.6 now? <laughs> Can I write 2.5? What previously... What if I'm trying to express simply 2 then? Like, if 2 is now 2.5, how do I express 2? You know what I'm saying? Like, so what are we gonna do about all of this, you know? But this is all relevant to this broader discussion that I'm trying to bring it back into and failing at doing because I need to take a sip of my coffee. Hold on. This is all relevant to this broader critique, I think, about a postmodernism. And I, I, I cringe every time I see people say this word because I'm bracing myself to be upset you know people want to want to be like oh this postmodern thinking right two plus two equals five they just want to they want to tear down truth and all this and shit and it's like my number one critique of this kind of an attitude would firstly i think be why are you associating this concept with postmodernism period you know like postmodernism is not simply this like acknowledgement that all truth is constructed necessarily you know i mean it's much more than that it's such a broad term it's almost like the word modern you know and also don't you think that this is inevitable i think it's inevitable that we have come to what feels like a crossroads in this kind of a discussion you know and also in philosophy and this does define a lot of postmodern thinking this kind of musing over these sorts of questions but these sorts of questions have really always been around uh i was thinking about this as we were as I, uh, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about p 
Plato's Socratic Dialogue, Mena, which some of you have read as part of our book club. And if you haven't, there's a really funny dramatized version we did of it on this channel. So go check it out. And in this uh, Socratic Dialogue, Socrates is talking to this dude, Meno, and it basically becomes this sort of epistemological argument about what is virtue and is virtue in essence, its own sort of knowledge. And if it is, is it learned? Is it recollected? You know, ever since ancient philosophers have been philosophizing, there have been questions like, you know, what is truth? How do we come to truth? Or is it true if I say it? Am I looking for a truth? Are there real truths? Did I invent the truths? It's not like this, this endless questioning over what is truth and how do we establish it is some is some creation of postmodern philosophy that's a fucking lie at the same time i do understand why people associate this line of thinking with the general contributions of postmodern philosophers but i wish that it wasn't so heavily abused because i do want to use this word in certain arguments but i'm very cautious too um but what do you guys think about this question? You know, like, and we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but I just want to pause and ask you guys, does this topic get you excited? Does it get you titillated intellectually? What kinds of things are you thinking right now about these kinds of arguments? You know, this idea that perhaps, um, you know, we can choose in any which way what we decide to concretize as truth you know is truth arbitrary do you guys think or do you think that truth is rooted to something i used the word epistemology a second ago forgetting to define it for those of you who are unfamiliar epistemology is really just theories of knowledge the basis of knowledge where does it come from what is the origin of knowing and of knowledge this is an epistemological inquiry um and you'll run into this word often as soon as you're getting into any of these sorts of arguments or discussions um and we were talking for a bit the other day uh in phenomenology club and I'll try to summarize what we were talking about. I'll, I'll try to tell you a bit what I think. Um, so like we've been saying, you know, mathematics is a self-enclosed system. And it works this way. I believe very much that 2 plus 2 could equal 5 if we came up with a system of mathematics in which this statement was true and also did not conflict with other statements, you know. But first of all, I would need a reason for why I should be compelled to feel this way because even though I do believe that truth is a construct, I very much believe this, I also believe that it is a construct that exists for very specific reasons and this is why i started to think about the epistemological arguments going on in plato's meno there is this incredibly grueling illustration even more grueling than the number 23 directed by joel schumacher starring jim carrey even more grueling than that where socrates brings over a quote-unquote slave boy that's his listing in the uh, thing 
um, he brings over a slave boy who is not familiar with any sort of math to try to illustrate a point for Menno, his interlocutor, uh, whether or not knowledge is learned or recollected. And he this he shows this kid, this slave boy, um, basically a square. And, oh God, it's so confusing. Let me not go into the square. He basically shows him... And ask him all these questions about the square, the sides of it, the length, basic concepts like doubling. He shows him all of these things and asks him some basic questions. And it seems pretty quickly that even though this slave boy has no sort of mathematical understanding or knowledge, he is able to grasp these very basic uh, questions based on very basic concepts he's already familiar with, like questions of scale, proportion, doubling something in size, and very quickly it seems as if he actually does have some sort of basic geometric understanding of things, you know. And I think part of the point being illustrated and why this is relevant to an epistemological inquiry into what is knowledge and do we possess any at baseline, this kind of a thing can be talked about when it comes to the 2 plus 2 thing as well. Because, you know, we like to say that mathematics is a quantitative system. It deals in quantities, not qualities. And I think that this, I understand why we say this, but... I do think it's important to think about how at baseline, even an understanding of mathematics is essentially qualitative. And this is a very phenomenological concept because myself as a phenomenology enthusiast believes very much that all knowledge is empirical. All knowledge is given to us by way of what we observe in the world. And even a concept like the number one is at baseline at its most abstract at its experienced is experienced in the sense that why can i even feel as if i can pick up a singular object and hold one you know what is this concept of autonomy and singularity that we have created to think about objects in our external reality if you have an object in your uh, immediate area please pick it up pick it up and think about how you feel as if you are holding a singular object with its own specific rigidly defined boundaries and contours that cannot be penetrated. What separates this object from everything else in my external phenomena? Why do I feel as if objects have their own distinct autonomy, you know? When you look at a painting, you see a painting right and when asked you can say okay there's a tree in the painting there's a chair in the painting but why don't all of these separate elements of the painting present as distinct singular phenomena ultimately you feel when you're looking at this thing and you know when you're looking at this thing i am looking at a painting i'm not really looking at a chair and an apple and whoever's sitting in the chair and all this i'm looking at a canvas a painted canvas hanging on the wall why is that why can i distinguish that and why do i feel so differently when i'm sitting here at my desk with a pen in front of me that i just fucking picked up and put down why do i know that i can pick it up and put it down why do i feel even before i know i can pick it up and put it down 
that I can pick it up and put it down, which prompts me to do so. Are you following me? The very feeling that there are distinct separate objects in your general phenomena is a thing that is rooted in your very own human physiology. And these sort of basic concepts of distinguishing singular phenomenon as separate from others, other objects, this underlies systems like mathematics. <laughs> I was just going to say something else, but I forgot. Are you following me, though? The concept of one, the concept of there being a singular unit, is a thing that is ultimately, at baseline, experienced. So, based on this line of reasoning, one could very well make the argument that even mathematics, at its most baseline, at its most abstract, is qualitative in a certain regards, you know. But this is where language becomes very troublesome and very tricky, you know, because then if that's true, if everything is ultimately qualitative because everything is at baseline experience, then what is the usefulness of such a word? And what is the usefulness of a word like quantitative, you know? I think once we enter this general sphere then to talk about things that are quantitative versus things that are qualitative, there's a general utility for why we do this and that's why we do this and why we say systems of mathematics are more quantitative and then other concepts such as whether or not a thing is beautiful, whether or not a thing is ugly, whether or not a thing is stupid. These things are qualitative. There's definitely a great utility to having this sort of a distinction. But it is also important to recognize that in the broadest sense, nothing is not experienced. And even mathematics, the most analytical, cold, sterile systems of logic we come up with to try to categorize elements in the external world, even these systems are a baseline based on qualitative variables. It's important. So to go back to this 2 plus 2 equals 5 thing, if you wanted to tell me that 2 plus 2 now equals 5, I would be absolutely open to hearing your arguments, but I'm going to need to hear some arguments because just because truth is a construct does not mean that the way we construct the truth is arbitrary. It is predicated on variables. Not only these qualitative variables that exist in our existing phenomena and our experience of everything, but also we, it's also based on the variables of all of the other variables that exist already. Because just as we were trying to hypothesize into, okay, let's say 2 now equals 2.5, then we start to ask questions about everything else. Does plus then mean the same thing? Uh, is one the same thing? What's affected by this? Is it only the number two? We need to know because there's already this entire constructed system around it. So we need to know that it fits and it works so that the entire system doesn't collapse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dylan posted something and deleted it. What do you guys think about all of this? Um, and this can also be, I think, tied to broader arguments about things like concepts like objectivity itself, you know. We can all recognize, I think, <laughs> listeners are just dropping like flies. They're like, bitch, can't you like rant about like something more accessible? I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm feeling excited by these questions. Uh... 
the concept of objectivity itself, you know, we talk about this a lot. What is objectivity? I think we can all say, uh, for similar reasons to the argument I was just making, we all know that there is no real such thing as true objectivity because what is objectivity supposed to be? The way a thing really is? But how can a thing really be anything if a thing only is because we experience it? <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose people. Because the very concept of is, you know, is itself a construct. What is being? Somebody asked Martin Heidegger. He'll go, he'll, he'll go on for 500 pages and tell you what being is. This is, this is what we do. Shit. Um, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry. This shit is funny to me. Is it funny to anyone else? So do you ever just stop mid-sentence and think, what are we doing? Like, we are such amazing creatures. We're just sitting here discussing this on the internet. A thing that we built via computers. A thing we built harnessing electricity. A thing we harnessed. Like, aren't we so fucking cool? And then we just sit here and, like, we're like, okay. We built this system of mathematics. Two and two. And five. Two plus two equals four. Let's talk about it. I love it. I love it. Round of applause for us. We're so cool. Like, damn. Who could not just take great pride in what we are and what we constantly do? I feel so proud. Cause I'm proud to be a homo sapien. Cause at least I know I think. <laughs> and I'm awfully proud of the dudes who think. To think that shit for me. And I proudly stand up. Suck my own dick. Fuck my fucking ass. Let me read some of the comments for a second and recalibrate. <clears throat> Clark says, a YouTuber I watched asked us if we think meth is discovered or invented. And that was pretty interesting to consider. It's definitely interesting to consider. And, um, you know, I think all of this requires maybe some sort of a dialectical approach. And maybe this is why Hegel... Hegel keeps me up at night still because I think he's right, you know. We need more quantum philosophies. We need to accept that we have constructed a very binary system of truth, not to use a buzzword, but it's true, you know. In binary systems of computing, there are zeros and there are ones, and that's it. A zero or a one. Pick one, bitch. Is it true? Is it false, you know? But what about what what about the question of what is truth contingent on, period? Truths are only contingent on falsehoods, right? There wouldn't be a truth unless there is something that is not the truth, right? There is a tree. The example Hegel gives in the intro to phenomenology of spirit there is a tree is this a true statement why is it a true statement because there's a possibility in which there is not a tree there is a tree is only a true statement because there is such thing as there being no tree this piece of paper what is this piece of paper and what is this what is this what is this is this a temporal concept can there ever be a now what is now now there's some sort of famous comedy about this. Good, I see you applauding us. Good. But what was I just going to say? 
we the other day we had a call-in session about ghosts and shit and i got into a little bit of a nerdy discussion with one of the callers i forget his name that was really fun where we were talking about moral relativity and um this is something that i think becomes relevant in this kinds of an kind of an argument questions of well what does relativity mean and what does subjectivity mean and perhaps we need to make a stronger distinction between these two words because when we have these kinds of conversations about whether or not truth is constructed truth is discovered truth exists a priori and we must uncover it or there is no inherent truth we must create it oftentimes we get into oftentimes we hear the word relativity thrown around relativism you're a truth relativist or a moral relativist and relativity is garbage and yada yada but oftentimes when these people are saying these sorts of things you listen to what they're saying and i believe the word they're really looking for is subjective you know if relative simply means all that is uh relevant to myself then what is the usefulness of a word like subjective what is the difference between these two terms you know i'm somebody who likes to use this word relative distinctly different from the word distinctly differently from the word subjective because when i use the word relative i like the word relative because it presupposes that it is relative to something you know and people often use this word to make it seem like when they use the word relative they're using it to mean relative to myself they say people who believe that morality is arbitrary and every culture has its own morality and that's what's right for them they call these people moral relativists but what are what is their morality relative to if not to themselves and if we're talking about a concept being relative to nothing but yourself doesn't isn't that what the word subjective exists for so i think that relative is a useful concept to think about here because when it comes to truth you know i do think that truth is relative it's relative to something i don't think truth is subjective because truth itself is a concept that has been externalized and only actualized through common use of it. I'm only familiar with this concept truth because ever since I was a little girl in New Jersey, I heard other people saying this word truth. I would have no familiarity with such a concept of truth if it wasn't introduced to me with language. My understanding of truth exists relative to everyone else's understanding of truth. I think it was a thing that was created by human people and serves a purpose and I appreciate its purpose, you know. So I do not believe that truth is subjective at all, but I do believe that it is relative to something. Not only to something, but to many things. For one, it's all rooted in the experience of being human, you know. And this is something to speak of Hegel. Hegel also speaks of this uh, when he talks about constructing language. Why is it that all of our language seems to be very descriptive of the human experience? This piece of paper is white to my eyes. It is anything because I experience it. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would this paper be anything this paper only is something because i'm saying look this paper is what something that 
is relevant to me as a human experiencing it. It's white. It's hard. It's this or that. Is that true to the ant experiencing it? No. To an ant, an ant might not even recognize that it's so fucking flimsy thing. Maybe it seems much more concrete and real to the ant and huge and they don't even know where the edge of it is. Or some sort of fucking amoeba. I don't fucking know. All of our language describes at baseline qualitative properties of the human experience. So I think that all truth is relative for one to this reality. It's relative to the fact that all concepts are things that are at baseline qualitative, even things like mathematics. Then beyond this, it's relative to the entire system that we're already working in of language and of concepts where we can only now, because we're trapped, we can only use concepts that fit with all the other concepts and I absolutely agree that concepts need to be improved upon some much more than others you know certain concepts I find to be incredibly problematic uh, <laughs> incredibly unnecessary even um, somebody who is constantly criticizing the structure of language itself I don't even feel comfortable with the verb to be or is which is why we should all be practicing E-prime, you know. So I'm absolutely of the mindset that truth needs to be improved upon. But that's because I think truth can be improved upon. And truth, and the reason it can be improved upon and concepts can be improved upon is because I do think that all of this understanding is relative to real criteria that we can actually articulate as humans. And this is why, to go back... To however many minutes ago now, I said that I think both sides have a bit of a problem, you know. I think the one side that's constantly crying about postmodernism and neo-Marxists and nothing is true and yada yada, we need these concepts, they tend to be more... I guess you could call them modernists in the sense that a lot of them seem to believe that things are in actuality true, which is something I absolutely don't believe. On the other hand, you have people who seem to believe that truth is completely arbitrarily in, uh, constructed. And they remind me of these people that other people criticize as being moral relativists where, well, if it works for you, it works. No, bitch, that's not true. It's not true. Because like we also said, or I said when I uh, began this upload, language affords, or what is required to use language is a certain sense of mutual respect, you know. I respect that we are going to use this system in the way that it has demonstrated having utility for, you know. You can't just go around changing concepts and expect me to follow you. Even if I agree with you, there's all types of things to talk about, you know. How are we going to implement these change? What other concepts does this influence? Things like this, you know, absolutely important. But I don't believe either way, and this is why I said I don't agree with these people either, even though we seem to agree truth is a construct, I don't believe that there is no criteria and that this entire process is arbitrary. I believe that there is very real criteria for how and why we do this sort of thing. So if we want to improve language, which I do, we want to improve concepts, we want to improve mathematics and all the natural sciences, which I do, that we need to be hyper-focused, in my opinion, on the underlying criteria for how we are making such decisions. 
And this is something we talked about when we were talking about democracy. Everything that is important that can be talked about is found in the process. And this is why we obsess over epistemological arguments such as is meth a thing that has any sort of basis in external reality or is it entirely a construct of the human imagination that just happens to be useful? This is why we obsess over these things because as soon as we can articulate the best way, the most useful way, the most consistent way to create a quantitative system describing qualitative properties, the better suited we will be if we want to improve all of concepts and all of language, okay? Well, that's fucking it. God damn. Lex just said, are we ready to have the languages math conversation? <laughs> are we? Yes, we are. Language. Is it math? Because the members of Phenomenology Club were making fun of me. Making fun of me. For my chart making enthusiasm. And I said that all, all sentences are basically already charts. They're linear charts. Am I wrong? What, what is a sentence? If not a visual representation. Or when it's spoken. An, a sonic presentation. Of, a, of some sort of logical schema. In a certain order. If I just sit, start saying words out of order, you will have no idea saying what is. So, can't say is basically schema, chart, order. Right? You have to follow everything in a certain fucking order. Like a fucking chart for it to fucking work. Okay? So don't make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and the same will be true of math. You gotta say that shit and language. You gotta say that shit in order. Okay? God damn it. It's not it's not a crazy concept. But to go back to what um Clark Kent said earlier, you know, there's an entire school of philosophy, a very recent school of philosophy, called logical positivism, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with, you know. Um Hailing greats such as Bertrand Russell. And it gets into all types of weird shit, you know, um, there's certain philosophers who write about how they think that mathematics is essentially a more pure form of logical arguments and that we can improve our logical philosophies, our conceptual philosophies by looking to mathematics and basically uh, mirroring our language after principles of mathematics, you know. Which gets into logic. Logic is kind of this. Um... Uh, Mapping out how even concepts like the ones we're talking in now are mathematic in a sense. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things to talk about there. Um, as far as that question that YouTuber posed, Clark Kent. I wonder who it is, by the way. Please tell us, cause I'm curious. Um. Um. What was I gonna say? I don't think that math is a thing that we are discovering. And I think that that's important to think about. Especially if you are someone that is given to fantasies as they relate to like numerology and all of these other fun Da Vinci Code type national treasure number 23 things. 
I think it's something to think about because, you know, even though, like I just said a moment ago, I do believe that even the concepts that underlie mathematics are rooted in the real world and our experience of it. This is all I believe they are rooted in, you know. I don't think that we are uncovering anything when we create the number one. Absolutely not. I think we are describing our experience of there being singular objects. We feel as if there are singular, separate objects distinguishable in our phenomena. Um, if anyone has any questions, comments, please type them now because I want to wrap this up. Um, and try to summarize this one concept that I think we should all be thinking about and is important. Something that I've said many times is that part of the reason I feel we get so caught up in circles and the history of Western philosophy itself is incredibly cyclical is because the very language we use is constantly interpolating between the immediate and the universal. And that is why statements such as Socrates' famous statement, I know that I know nothing, I think is very illustrative of this kind of a problem, you know. Why can we grasp this sentence? Shouldn't such sentences be impossible? How can you know that you know nothing? And the reason that these sorts of paradoxical seeming looking statements are possible and common in our philosophical language is because we have no we have set no clear standard for how we should navigate trying to go between the this localized experience and then the broader one you know and this is why we get into all this bullshit about objectivity versus subjectivity when is objective a useful concept even though we know it doesn't exist in actuality when is it appropriate to use it anyway when is it appropriate to describe mathematics as quantitative instead of qualitative even though everything is at baseline qualitative yada yada i definitely believe and this is why i appreciate the approach of certain thinkers like Husserl and Wittgenstein when they try to create new actual logical systems that account for some of these disparities I think that it's a great problem that we're constantly going back and forth between I know my lo in my local immediate experience that I know in the most universal sense nothing this is a problem we can't continue this way my brothers my sisters we cannot lest we fall and be given to confusion and death. We can just keep going in this circle for fucking ever. We can't. We have to pick one, essentially. Or, if we're going to use both, if we're going to constantly be going between these uh, opposing perspectives, we need to fucking create some fucking standards, at least. I shouldn't be able to say, I know that I know nothing. Because even though it's a beautiful statement, it's poetic, I love it. Put it on a fucking coffee mug. Thank you, Socrates, rest in peace. It doesn't get us anywhere. We can't be making these kinds of statements in our philosophies. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to fucking end up? This is the same kind of problem inherent to all of these questions talking about qualitative versus quantitative subjective versus objective there's no true objectivity right we need to create a system where these two things if they're going to be at odds we're either going to stay in one mode and work everything out from this approach 
or the other one, or we're going to find a way to marry the Moes without them contradicting each other. And such statements such as, I know that I know nothing, will become absolutely impossible. But for now, when we're speaking in language to other people, I think that you can just kind of ditch the entire concept of subjectivity. Because if I'm speaking to you, then I know I'm speaking to you with a language that you understand and that we both exist in some relative proximity to, right? I didn't invent this language. Did you invent this language? I certainly did not. I didn't invent literally any word I'm saying right now. The only word I've ever invented was ghostbusting <laughs> for when you take Adderall on mushrooms. Okay? So I have not invented any word ever, and I'm pretty sure you haven't either. We both are separate people standing in relative proximity to a language we didn't invent but are using anyway, right? So already there has been established... A platform of relativity, not subjectivity. I don't think I can say anything is subjective, really. Because how did I even make this statement except with words created by someone else that you also understand, which is why I'm even saying it to you. Are you starting to see how fucked up this shit is? How complex it is? So don't make it even more complex, okay? When we're talking in language to each other... Who even cares about a concept like subjective? What could possibly be subjective? Except the way my butthole feels when I'm taking a shit and I can't even express that to you with language. Everything that I can express to you with language is based on a platform of mutual understanding. You know what I'm talking about. So nothing I can say or express to you will ever be purely subjective. I'm expressing to you something you understand. It's relative. These concepts exist relative to our own independent understandings. So leave your concepts of subjectivity in their own special compartment, rarely to be touched. Kind of like the no nuclear codes, okay? You have it in a suitcase in case you ever need it, but let's hope that we don't. Let's hope that we don't end up there. Because right now we're speaking to each other. And we mutually understand each other. So we have already transcended the subjective and are in a relative mode. Okay? I think I've said my piece. Does anyone have anything to say? Please give me a thumbs up. <laughs> I like watching the thumbs up go up in real time. It feels like I'm getting like some applause or something. Like, okay, yeah, that was a point. Who knows if I've expressed these points well. I feel like a moron, but thank you all so much for letting me practice on you because this shit is really hard, but it's harder to express with language. Someone just took a like away, excuse you. It's harder to express with language, I think, more than it is to understand. I hope that you guys are feeling as if you can grasp these concepts because they're really... <laughs> It sounds funny to say, but they really are so simple. And I think that's part of the struggle with philosophy, period. A lot of people feel like it's so simple, they feel like they're not getting it, you know? They're like, I don't even, because I felt this way, and that's why I can relate this feeling. I'm like, 
you're literally talking about like these mundane concepts i'm not sure i understand why you're talking about it because i feel like i understand what you're saying but why are we talking about this you know i think that's a struggle with philosophy but i do think that a lot of these concepts are much easier to feel as if you understand and are comprehending than they are to speak back into the world that's really difficult and a thing that requires great practice so thank you all for letting me practice on you i hope one day i will be a very eloquent interlocutor and the people, the people will rise and clap and say, wow, fucking wow. Dylan says, what about funny? Dylan, fuck you with your funny games. We're not going to talk about funny today. We haven't even begun to get to the root of what is funny in the Discord. So if you want to talk about funny, Dylan, you better give me some fucking charts. Okay? We're not talking about funny a moment sooner. I want to give you guys some homework. If you, if you accept my homework challenge, map out a sentence visually in a chart. Do it. Make a chart mapping out a sentence, any sentence you like. That's my only instruction. I won't even give you any further ones. Look up some examples of this if you think you need some sort of inspiration. Map out a fucking sentence at a fucking chart and fucking post it. Okay? That's it. Speaking of funny games... Yes, Ramona. Yes. Ramona, I expect it from you the most. Speaking of funny games, we've been watching Michael Haneke films in the Discord. And I can't wait to watch the next one, Benny's video. I've seen it already, but I can't wait to watch it again. We just watched Cache. It was my second time seeing the film. Great fucking film. Wow. Amazing film. And he directed it when he was like 62. Can you believe it? I love that. I love seeing older people accomplish great things because there's great stigma around this. Like, oh, I'm going to get old and stupid. Like, Michael Haneke is out here making some of the edgiest fucking art ever. Some of the greatest film ever in his 50s and 60s. It's wonderful. I mean, Funny Games, the first Funny Games, before he remade it in English, he was like 55. And that movie is punk as fuck. I love it. You gotta preserve that edge. And when you watch interviews with him, he doesn't even seem edgy. He seems very nice. He says he doesn't like violence. It bothers him. <laughs> he grew up uh, on a farm or something. Doesn't like blood. So maybe that's the secret. You become so soft, you get an edge. Anyway, one more time, I'll appeal to you. Please give me a thumbs up. I'm desperate. I need it. I'm gonna get out of here. Gonna upload this to Spotify. And I think next time, perhaps, we will discuss sentience because I want to. I've been thinking about it a lot. What is sentience? How do we define it? Maybe think on that, too, as you're mapping out your chart. Those two things are your homework. Think about sentience. What the fuck do you think it is? And map out that motherfucking sentence. And with that, I wish you good night.